Hello and welcome. My name is Lindsay, and I am so excited to introduce this week's guest. This week, we have Emily Wood on the podcast. Emily is a mental health therapist here in the Minnesota who recently relocated and is starting her own practice. Welcome, Emily. So Thank excited you. to have you. I'm so happy to be here. So right out of the gates, um, Emily, can you describe your practice? A lot of people might not know what um, someone in your field does. Um, so if you could mm-hmm. share a little bit about your practice and how you took mm-hmm. your practice and that transitioned into supporting the perinatal mental health period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so let me, uh, so I am a licensed professional counselor. I have a pretty wide, um, diverse um, array of work experience. Um, most of my career has been um, with um, in, in, in Alaska, in the state of Alaska, and working with Alaska Native and American Indian um, population. Um, I have my bachelor's in anthropology, um, and then really got interested in how, you know, individuals are shaped by their cultural experience. And so went back to school, started working for a healthcare organization um, that served the Alaska Native and American Indian population. And through that, um, I had a couple experiences. My first internship experience was with a, a program that served um, women um, who experience co-occurring mental health disorders. So substance um, use, misuse and dependency as well as mental, mental health disorders. Really cool thing about that program is that the women could be pregnant, they could be moms, and they could come in, they could deliver baby while they were in the program and then have baby come back with them while mom was doing um, group therapy, um, resources, you know, all of those things, baby would be in the daycare. Um, and so they had a certified daycare up to the age of three. And that was just a really amazing experience. I mean, right, right off the bat realized how like the strength of women, you know, and mothers in general. And so when I graduated, I really wanted to get a wider um, breadth of work. And so I began working as a, what's called a behavioral health consultant. And so my role was to provide behavioral health interventions in a primary care clinic. So I started in um, Anchorage and then um, the rest of my practice was in a, in a smaller community on the um, outskirts of Anchorage. And it was during that time that I really began working more closely with the integrated medical care teams that uh, the organization had. So midwives, OBGYNs, nurses, lactation support, dietitians, um, pharmacists, like all sorts of things. Uh, the organization was really known for their um, kind of state-of-the-art integration of primary care. And so the behavioral health consultant was a part of that. So an example of how you might get acquainted with me when I was working in Alaska was you would call to say, I think I'm pregnant, get an appointment, come into the clinic for pregnancy verification, and then um, they would call me and say, hey, we have someone who's, who's newly pregnant, she has some questions. Um, and so we would, you would meet me right off the bat and I would answer any questions you have. I would give you um, some other resources and kind of explain the process to you. And so, and then 
I could be a face for you. You know, someone that could support you through your journey. I might see you during your well baby checks, um, when you bring baby in afterwards, during your prenatal and postnatal visits as well. So we kind of had our fingers in everything. And that was the really exciting thing is that uh, we were really the, the jack of all trades. And, you know, I had great experiences with that. And then ultimately, you know, sometimes what happens is you get, you have a stronger desire in your own experience to understand um, well how that experience, just to get more, more resources and understanding. And I became more interested in the topic after the pregnancy and birth of my, my first child and just how my experience with that really informed informed everything, right? And so I pursued the um, further training and, um, and then worked still with, the, with um, Alaska, in Alaska until we moved about a year and a half ago back to Minnesota. And currently I'm venturing into the world of private practice and hoping to continue to further my work with the perinatal population as a mental health provider. So that's amazing. Yeah. So in a, in private practice with mental health, you know, it's pretty straightforward, right? What you would think of as like a therapist, but the really unique thing in uh, working with a perinatal population is that I think that it's not just about mental illness. I think it's really about resources and planning and just kind of having that community support around you. Um, and relationship and connection. So that's my aim when I meet with um, my clients who are, you know, pregnant or after pregnancy or even like considering being like becoming pregnant as well. So, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think what a great foundation that you have knowing from your past work that mental health isn't just this one particular thing that sits in this corner, but it really health and wellness is something that encompasses all of us, right? And so Mm -hmm. supporting mental health, whether that is in well checks, whether that is in prenatal appointments, whether that is in discussing, do I want to get pregnant again? Having that filter, I think sets you up for just a really strong private practice because you understand Mm -hmm. how to meet people where they are in Mm -hmm. all different areas of their journey. So that's what a great foundation to be jumping into a new, a new venture of private practice. It is, it is exciting. I do, you know, um, I feel like that is like a great foundation um, and just really exciting to kind of have, um, I really feel like just having that wide variety of work and and understanding and partnering with um, other, other um, practices is just really has helped me understand to how to provide you know, great care for, for the, for the people I see too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. so you, you worked with postpartum support international, which is for those that are listening, that is the large organization that PPSM were ultimately the local chapter of postpartum support international. So when did you started to work, start to work with PSI? Good question. So our, the, the organization I became affiliated with um, became baby friendly, a baby friendly kind of um, healthcare organization. Um, you know, so they were starting to roll out some things with that and got a, a little more acquainted with kind of those components of it. 
And then I had some um, colleagues who um, went to the training, Postpartum Support International, um, the training, the two-day training that they have or two or three-day training. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, after I had my first child, you know, in my experience, like I said, that really kind of informed my care, you know, my understanding of what are the components, what are the additional components that I really want to understand well. So I am, you know, most informed too. And then I went to the three-day training. um, And actually, this is kind of a funny story because I was 32 weeks pregnant with my second, my second child. And let me tell you, if you ever want to feel like a goddess, (laughs) go (laughs) to a training, (laughs) very, very pregnant with a bunch of other like peridatal mental health, you know, supports who are just like really are like passionate about it. Mm-hmm. I was like sitting there, like knitting a baby blanket, listening, like had my legs up on a chair with my compression socks and everyone would walk by and be like, you're just glowing. You're just beautiful. And I'd be like, <laughs> thank you. I'm sweating. It's LA and I'm from Alaska. So, so I, um, I went through the training. I just, I just loved their message. I loved their, um, you know, their, their vision and their mission. Um, and then, um, became, I, I studied and, um, did the test like week 10 of my maternity leave and, and passed, and then, you know, brought that, um, information back to my practice in Alaska. And we started kind of highlight, piloting some really neat things in the clinic um, to help enhance some of the resources for, for the, um, the perinatal population. So that's how I became acquainted with Postpartum Support International. And then, you know, um, from there, TPSM. Oh, I love yeah. it. That's wonderful. And yeah, what a great time to be going and learning. I bet all of your emotional needs were met um, by, <laughs> by the attendees. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, the other part of that story is that uh, I went right, like right when the COVID-19 was like a whisper of like, huh. And so that was the other kind of funny part of this that I remember saying to my midwife, should I be worried about this? Like coronavirus thing? Should I be traveling while I'm like, we're like, Oh, <laughs> here I am. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. No, oh, it's funny Everything. to think. Yeah. 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 Think about those early, like January, December, No, even February. It was like, it was looming. <laughs> right. And that was, I think it was March when I, uh, yeah, February when I went. Yep. And I, I look back and every once in a while, cause um, I'll just like stop and be like, Hey, remember when I traveled to LA from Alaska 32 weeks pregnant at the start of a pandemic? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. it happens yeah it happens yeah it happens and you certainly weren't alone right no uh uh-uh no but I I do owe an apology to the taxi cab driver that I kind of chided when he said I don't pick anyone up from the airport (laughs) I only drop off I'm like oh yeah yeah that wasn't very Yep. 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 There were some things. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm curious. So you, so you go to this training and it's something that's, it sounds like the, from what I've read about the training and what you've shared, it's a really great foundation for, uh, therapists to be able to take this framework and then adapt it to their own population. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you worked with um, a really diverse population and one where there was very, I'm guessing very specific 
cultural considerations that you needed to bring into your work. And so I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. how do you incorporate um, cultural considerations and what are some of the cross-cultural considerations um, that you find maybe now in um, private practice? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I'll um, also say that the the two to three day training or the two day training that Postpartum Support International offers is not just for mental health providers. It is for um, a variety of um, individuals and professions who work with um, work with the perinatal population or even have an interest in it. So that is like the awesome thing. Um, the three day train, like the extra day, is for the the um, people who are working in like the mental health. Um, so yeah, um, that's just my own my own little like um, ad for that. Yes, <laughs> you don't have no. to be a therapist. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, so back to your question, I think that um, for me, that foundation was great. It was a great foundational understanding of, you know, what are some of those considerations that are um, important when working with clients who have a differing cultural background than you. And for me, it became, it's, I'm an anthropologist by trade, so I often look at, you know, what are those how does our cultural, like attachment to our culture um, system impact our identity? Or even like, how does our disconnection from our cultural system impact our identity? And birthing practices and pregnancy are, are a very, very significant point in someone's life. And, um, you know, birth and pregnancy is also very significant for the survival of culture. And so with that, there are a lot of things and nuances that happen within the therapeutic relationship that, that need to be considered, right? And, you know, the individual understanding and relationship to pregnancy is really tied to the greater cultural understanding of the client that I'm seeing, even the partner's cultural affiliation and the family dynamic too. So... Those are things that are really big for me. And I, and I tried very hard to, to even humble myself in, in working with the, the population to know that I'm not the subject matter expert on their experience. And I am here to walk with them to help understand. And part of my job too in the clinic was to almost be like kind of part advocate for the client and part advocate for the, the providers too. And I, um, as someone who is, uh, you know, affiliated with, uh, um, who, you know, is, is Anishinaabe or Ojibwe from the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe, I think I come into this naturally, as my mom used to say, is that sometimes you're always going to have to do Indian Studies 101. And in my practice that was something that was really important for me for providers to know too that you know we have to take a step back and look at this from like a different lens right you know some of the things that the providers or or we may consider as like ugh, wouldn't do that or that's not what this is recommending it's a real good way to ruin rapport if you're coming in with that kind of like strong arm too and I saw it happen and ultimately that was um really harmful for for the patient for the baby for that relationship so yeah 
Yeah, you bring up such a, a great point when thinking about coming on with, I mean, you use the words strong arm. And I think that's such a, a really good visualization because when you come in and you, you try to just impose something that doesn't actually give space for cultural background that is different than yours. Um, and you're maybe providing evidence that was founded by looking at a population that was not the population that you're looking at. So how relevant is this evidence? And by not even creating mm -hmm. space for that, that curiosity, you're not having a, you're not meeting someone where they are, no. nor are you actually using evidence. Um, and I think that's something that's really important is taking a look and seeing where is this evidence coming from? How do I adapt it? as needed um, in clinical mm -hmm. practice? And then how do I connect with a client to be able to see if this, in, if this is in fact relevant for them? Mm -hmm. And if you don't do those steps, how are you going to build a, a therapeutic relationship? And one of the things that I think is so special and tender about the perinatal period is that you have this opportunity of introducing an entire family to a healthcare system. And the way in which you treat someone in the perinatal period, that informs the way in which they mm -hmm. approach pediatricians, that in, um, like family care providers. And it really, it's such a profound moment in time. And when we don't take that, that moment, those moments to really build a relationship, it becomes harder down the line Absolutely. as we introduce more and more Mm -hmm. moments, um, touch points with healthcare. So I think that's really amazing that you have such a strong yeah. focus on that. Yeah. And, and thank you because I, you know, you bring up this idea of the healthcare system, right. Um, and you know, one of the cultural considerations that was really important for me to know too, is that I'm working with Alaska Native and American Indian clients the relationship with the healthcare system is fraught historically, right? Yeah. We're not that far away from things like forced sterilization. And, you know, I would often meet clients who said like, well, I had an auntie that, you know, had an awful experience with the uh, native hospital or IHS, or I, you know, my grandma, you know, said one thing and, you know, this happened. There is a, just a kind of a, a, a baseline of distrust with any kind of federal organization, um, you know, and that's not for everyone, right? That's, you know, there's an individual perspective that, you know, is within the cultural context. But those were the things that to really understand what it means to walk into a healthcare system too, where there is this history of distrust. And I that's never like lost on me. And that was never lost on me when I was like meeting with the, with the clients too, because sometimes that may look like, I didn't look like a therapist, right? I didn't look like a behavioral health professional. Um, and um, it, that goes back to, you know, one of my um, big frameworks of understanding is, is the relational cultural theory, right? So understanding like, how can we enter into a relationship to insight change that works for, for you, that works for me, that works within the cultural system that you, you know, ascribe to as well. And, um, you know, 
to talk about something as, as um, intimate as mental health and your identity as a parent in the midst of a very sterile, cold, um, like clinic room, that's scary. It's, yeah. it's, it's vulnerable. And, and so there are times where, you know, I, I would have to like, just kind of sit outside the door and be like, all right, you know, um, and I don't do things perfectly either. And that's kind of part of it is that I have to con- constantly challenge my biases too. Um, cause I'm not, you know, I, I, I think we, we can all understand that we can be like culturally informed and culturally humble um, and still know that we have these implicit biases that come up. And for me, that was um, ongoing. I remember one, one time I got put in my place because I was trying to use uh, a technique, um, a therapeutic technique. And the, the person said, that's, that's not, that's not how I understand this and my cultural understanding of spirituality and identity. And, and I don't like that. I, in the room, had to humble myself and say, like, that has to feel awful. <laughs> you are absolutely right. And I have to remember that a lot of these things are kind of developed, as you said, by, you know, a majority of culture and tested on that. So, you know, I'm going to throw that out. <laughs> We're not going to do that again. You know, ignore everything I said. Let's just talk. So. Well, I think that's so important to be able to in any relationship, but particularly a therapeutic one, being able to humble yourself in the moment in front of a client when appropriate, that builds trust. Because I mean, I can speak from experience. I do not expect, nor do I want perfect therapists. I, I really like, there is something really important for me to have an intimate trusting relationship. And that involves person to person, not person to textbook. Um, and so to be able to have that, I, it it really can deepen trust and it can also then protect culture because it's like, Oh, I have a voice here. If my culture isn't being acknowledged, if my culture isn't being taken into consideration when looking through different kinds of therapies, I can say that I have a voice here. I can shift course here and I can have an opportunity to maybe change someone else's practice while also yeah. protecting my own. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's really wonderful. Yeah. And I found different ways to do that in the system of care that I worked with too. I'll share just briefly. I was fortunate enough to, you know, receive care at the clinic I worked with and then um, gave birth to both my children at the, the, the clinic there or the hospital there as well. And One of my favorite memories is after I delivered my son, uh, we got our like celebratory meal and the meal came with a traditional, uh, traditional food, subsistence food that was um, herring roe on kelp and a side of seal oil. And it was, it just made my heart so warm to know that, you know, this was still something that was important that, you know, even those little things could be really important to feeling like someone belonged. And uh, that was always something that I would try hard to, to understand too, is like in part of these resources and enhancements, is there something within this that is really important for you? And I'd find that in just little ways. I had a, in, in different ways of, you know, individuals who came from like rural villages and maybe their first language was Yupik or Nupiak. 
and um, they didn't go by their English name. And so it might look like I would really try hard to, to get the, their um, Yupik name. And that's what I would use to call them from the waiting room. That's a connection, right? It's an interest in saying like, yeah, you are feeling really disconnected from your, your community, from your place, from your people, um, you know, your, your family, like, how can I, how can I just give you like a little taste of that? So that's wonderful. So I'm, I'm curious, um, kind of moving into now your work in private practice, you moved, you know, from Alaska and you're now here in Minnesota. So I'm guessing, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of things have changed where you practice the population that you are now caring for. So kind of thinking about all of that and then adding in, you had your own journey of becoming a parent. So I'm curious, how has all of those different moves kind of put you into this place right now with your private Mm -hmm. practice? Um, How has your own perinatal journey plus the move to Minnesota shaped your perinatal practice? Yeah. Talk about a culture shock. I mean, I was, I born and raised in Minnesota, but like coming back, you know, that, that again, like challenging some of my own biases, like come, returning to, to Minnesota too. Um, I'm like, one of the things that I'm always amazed at um, is just the resources that are available to the population here. Um, you know, coming from a very rural community, it was me and, and maybe a wait list of a very long, long wait list. So you know, that is something that I'm like really excited about. But, you know, my, I think in part of that idea of like entering into a relationship with your clients, um, we always, always have to understand like how my journey, our journey is informed by that as well. And, um, you know, when I, I always say like, I was a really good mom until I had kids. <laughs> I knew everything. I... I, um, you know, I had everything. I was, I read up on screen time. I read up on child development. I knew all of the stuff. And um, when I went back to my practice, after I had my first, uh, after I had my daughter, you know, I, my, I had to challenge my own expectations of what it meant for me to experience a less than ideal pregnancy and delivery and postpartum journey. And then um, also humble myself to say like, I'm a mental health provider who also needs help. Um, I'm a mental health provider who also is experiencing um, postpartum depression and changes to my identity and grief and loss. And on top of that, some physical complications too. And so all of that has really kind of informed my care I remember returning after my first maternity leave. And I said to one of my friends who was a midwife, I'm like, I feel like I need to personally call every single client I saw who was pregnant and like apologize for ever saying to them, like, just find some time for yourself. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> no, Emily. <laughs> and while I wasn't like, I didn't, none of what I was saying was out of harm. It's also seen in a different lens, right? Yeah. Because. I think if someone were to say that to me, you know, in the midst of my postpartum, I would be like, okay, cool. Like, are you going to, you know, yeah. What time are you coming over to give me time? Exactly. (laughs) Right. Right. And like baby's nursing 20 hours a day. So yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, that's part of what I try to always understand too, is that cliches, you know, some of those like larger kind of nuances that we have, even in like our, like, like current pop culture or social media or all those things are like really important. And, um, you know, I, I want to like go back, like I said, and call everyone and be like, you know, cottage cheese in front of the fridge is like an acceptable meal, right? Like, <laughs> like it's okay, right? Yeah. It's okay that you have like loads of laundry and um, you can be like, you can be a really good mom. You can be doing your best and be really scared. My expectations were really shattered. And, and even having a baby, like my, my second child is as old as the pandemic. And even that has really informed, really informed my care and understanding of, of what it means, you know, to parent yeah. in the midst of this and, and be pregnant in such really uncertain times. So I think all of those things really inform. It's the reminder that no matter where you come from, we all have our own relationship to um, our mood, right? Yeah. And changes. And it changes, and that's kind of I, part of the importance in my work is normalizing some of that too. And that it's okay to say, like, I don't feel like momming today. Mm-hmm. And you can still be, you know, a great mom and a good person. All of that's normal. Yeah. Feeling those things and creating space for them is is so important. And I love that idea. Like, I don't feel like momming today. There's no moral hierarchy that's attached to that. Like you're not good or bad. Like you're just an individual with feelings. Uh, and yeah, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make you a bad person. doesn't make you a bad mom. In fact, it makes you an evolved one because you're able to take a moment and say, this is how I feel. So I think that's, that's wonderful. So like when you're thinking about your, your practice, it sounds like normalizing is a huge component is a huge factor that you talk with your clients about what are some of the other factors that you think are important to be discussing with your, your clients? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So normalizing some of that, um, right. Understanding that we all have kind of those weird thoughts, right. (laughs) We've all been there and, you know, we, we talked about this a lot is that, um, you know, earlier is that pregnancy is a really vulnerable time for people, for the individual who is pregnant, for the family system, for the partner, and it's complicated. And sometimes within those, like, because it's multifactorial and sometimes with that, it can feel scary. Right. And again, like when we start to judge the emotions that we have for our experience, that's where we get kind of in the weeds. And so normalizing some of that too, so important, right? Totally normal. You can tell me. And, and sometimes in my practice, what I'll say is like, I'll lay out very, you know, in my informed consent, I'll be very clear with people that, you know, I'm not, sometimes the things that you think can feel scary, but it's not, I'm not afraid of it, right? So I'm not scared of what you tell me, right? Those thoughts are thoughts, right? Let's just say that right now and we probably we might have had some similar too so don't worry about that right and I will always say that you know and to challenge some of that is you by you sharing that with me doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to like take further action but 
if it gets to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm concerned for your safety, your safety of baby or safety of family, we'll have a further conversation about that, right? But I'm always talking to you about it first, right? I, you and I are coming to a point where we're figuring out how to use your resources, number one. And so I want you to be like honest with me and I'll be honest with you, right? And so that's part of like the conversation that starts right at the beginning, right? I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in, um, I think Mr. Rogers said it, anything mentionable is manageable, mm. right? Just because you say it doesn't mean it's true. And if you share it with me, maybe that'll lighten the load a little bit. And I can enter into your journey and figure out how we're going to partner together, right? Because um, you don't have to be alone with those thoughts. And please don't Google it. <laughs> don't go to the mommy blog. <laughs> like, just like, let's talk about it first. And then we'll come up with a plan. So that's, that's number one, um, accepting change. That's a really big one for me, accepting kind of like accepting change. And within that, this idea of ambiguous loss, I think that is a topic that's really come up, you know, in the last few years as a, as a bigger topic too, is this idea that loss, this internal ambiguous loss of maybe loss of identity, yeah, loss of what, and I, I will say that um, in my own journey, it's, I had this loss of what, what I thought I was going to be like as a mom, right? That was hard. That was mm-hmm. really hard for me. And, um, you know, I fortunately had a wonderful therapist I worked with who challenged that, right? And so I think that's part of that, that, that work that, I, that we're doing too. And this is all, you know, as I say this too, it's, you don't just have, to, you don't have to have a diagnosis of postpartum depression to experience some of these too, right? Yeah. And the other part that I really try to help is understand and identify resources. So internal resources and external resources. Who are your people? Who do you call in the middle of the night when baby is screaming and you're like, I just cannot, can't handle it one more time, right? Mm-hmm. Who are the people that you call for a walk, right? What are the internal resources that you are doing to get you through those moments too? And then you know, lastly, really just enhancing the resiliency. You know, all of those factors are so important, I think, just to be a good human being, but also to really understand and kind of walk through your, your journey too, as, a, as someone who's pregnant, post-delivery, and then beyond. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. And I, I, I love that you're able to create a space and it sounds like you also do a really nice job of not just creating space for emotions and feelings and states of being, but also providing a vocabulary. Uh, Cause there's something so powerful in being able to acknowledge with words, what it is you're going through, because then you're able to share that with your people, as you mm-hmm. mentioned. So you can actually say, I need your help. Baby's crying in the middle of the night. And this is what's going on with me. And now all of a sudden you're able to describe and you don't then maybe spiral um, and feel like you're mm-hmm. at a loss of words or not understanding what's happening to you. So mm-hmm. creating a vocabulary and mm-hmm. letting people know that they have ways to communicate and who to communicate with is so important. Yeah. And I think that's the really important thing in working with someone um, who is well-versed in, you know, kind of perinatal mental mental health too, is that it can be scary. It's scary for people. It's scary for support. It's scary for family. And it's scary for the individual too. I mean, I can think of, I remember just very distinctly when I was pregnant with my daughter, I had um, 
food poisoning and I went to the ED and or the ER and I walked in very, very pregnant. I was like 36, 37 weeks pregnant. And it was like, all of the providers just like did a collective gasp, right? Because it was like, she's pregnant. What's happening? We have to go. And <laughs> like, even that, right? It's like, oh my gosh, everyone else is feeling like this is scary. I need to feel scary. And so I think like diffusing that even to, I'm having thoughts in my head that are really scary. And if I say this out loud, what does that mean? And what's going to happen? I mean, I think, you know, those are those, those, those components that we, we need to understand too, that um, to, to really help, help, our, um, help our clients navigate it well. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. So how do people find, now that you've got your, you're starting your own private practice, how do people find you? How do people um, get connected with you? Um, Love to put in a a plug for your private practice. Yeah, I know. It's very fancy. I feel very fancy right now. Um, So (laughs) you can find me. Uh, we're ba- my office is based out of St. Paul. Um, I, it's called Confluence Counseling, like the confluence of a river. Um, and you can email me at emily at confluencecounseling.com. And we're online too. So you can just um, Google um, Confluence Counseling. Wonderful. So, um, yeah. And I'll make sure that um, for everyone listening, you can go into the show notes and you can also click on um, the links there just to learn a little bit more about Emily, as well as get connected uh, with her either for yourself or if there's someone in your life uh, that you think would really benefit from the services that Emily provides. You have all the information there for you. Emily, thank you so much for your time, uh, for your expertise, and for just sharing really the way in which you personalize care in the peripartum, uh, mm-hmm. area. It's such a tender yeah. time. And it sounds like you really okay. are able to empower and advocate for your clients and just really Thank happy you. to have you on board. I am too. Thank you. It is. It's tender. It's vulnerable. It's exciting. It's all the things. And so all of those feelings are valid. Um, so let's feel them together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Love that. Well, thank you so yeah. much.